you can't have your cake and eat it too. You know, if you want him to play, if you want him, if you want him to play on the football field fast, and hope he doesn't get injured. If we go back to a Trebojevic situation, then give him the tools and the artillery before he goes out there. He's not going to go through a whole half pace. But if you only ever train him at half pace because you're scared you're going to break him down, then you, who's the fool? Welcome to the Talking Perspective podcast. We dive deep into the minds of high performers to uncover the secrets behind their success. Speed guru Roger Fabry joined us for episode 11 of Talking Perspectives. And does he ever bring the smoke? Roger is a highly experienced and sought-after speed development coach working with some of the biggest names in Australian sport, including Jared Hayne, Sonny Bill Williams, Dave Warner. He really touches on his journey to the top, some of his struggles with mental health, and a whole lot more. That's good. I'm very excited and honoured to have Roger Fabry on today. Um, he, with my eyes, is the leading speed development coach in Australia um, and probably you know, one of the top guys in the world. Um, Rog, there is one thing I want to ask off the bat that's been widely uh, asked for me to talk to you straight away about. Uh-huh. Define to me what bring the smoke is. So, and it's, it seems to, it's something, I've got it all over my shirts and my logo and it's obviously it's all over my social media. Um, I like talking trash, Geordie, and you, you, you know, if you've got to, if you can, if you can talk trash, then you've got to be able to back it up as well. So I've got the facts and figures. You know, nobody touches me. I don't see anybody, any other sprint coach. Where are they? You know, I, you never hear about them. And if they are out there, they're certainly very quiet. So all I just keep saying is, you know, while I'm around, the smoke will never clear. So you just guys better get congested with it. It's good. It's good. It's exactly what I wanted to hear. It's just yeah. fact. I'm sorry to say it, it's just fact. You know, I'm, I'm still waiting. I look over my shoulder and every time I look over my shoulder, the opposition seems to be further and further behind. They make no noises. And you do have an incredible list of athletes, you know, past and present players. Do you want to elaborate on some of those players that you have um, coached over the years? As in what way? What do you want me to tell you about them? Just who they are, what, what they, they, oh, they come the- to you for and then what you've done to obviously bring the smoke. Sure. I, I look. I think that's part of the Roger Fabry story. Is you know the the most impressive portfolio in the business. Um, one thing that you can say about or that I can say about my portfolio is that I'm not associated to any team. Nobody has to come to me. And when a player of that high caliber chooses to go somewhere, and then is happy to put it on their social media, you know you're dealing with somebody that's legit. Now I am. Um, I have the best of all codes of this country that come and train with me. Um, why do they come to train with me? That's a question you probably might want to ask them, but I suppose the results speak for themselves. You know, uh, they don't need the fire. So they certainly don't come for the fire. You know, I don't have to blow them up. They're already blown up as far as social media presence or certainly um, presence in the in the in the, their own marketplace most people know who they are so they don't come for that but it can't be a coincidence that the players that consistently come and continually come seem to keep having breakout years and I think you know it's not just speed you know you're talking about functional movement patterns that I work consistently with which cross over in so many areas of athleticism of course, you know, speed, if you have the speed, then it allows you the time to be able to perform and allowing you to have time to be able to perform your skill set then makes that skill set even better than what you were born with. And we spend a hell of And one thing I suppose that people will, will like, or, or I'm not sure if they dislike it, I've never really heard anybody complain about it, but I'm quite brutal when I, when I coach. It's just it's, it's not something that I go out to to do it's just my coaching style I am I always believe if I'm the best then you need I'm going to give you the tools to be the best so you can be the best and it's 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 almost silly that if a coach doesn't believe that they are the best because if you can't believe in you're the best then how are you supposed to deliver the message to get your athlete to be the best I don't understand that it's like okay well then there's I'm good but I'm you know I'm not the best in that field well it's like Hold on. Well, why am I here? And you got to, I mean, it's, it's a controlled ego, isn't it? You got to have some sort of Absolutely. ego, but you're not throwing it around, you know, un, un, you know, willy nilly. 
No, absolutely not. You've got to earn the right to do that. But, you know, I again, one thing about good about being old is uh, I've got a hell of a lot of history behind me and experience behind me. And um, I can talk that up. And I, it's not something that I want to, that, that I go out of my way to do. But the guys know that I've worked with, I've tried, I try everything, Jordy. So I think that's another thing that, that helps with experience of being with age. Everything that's been around or that is around, and even and I'm very conscious of the fact that I try and evolve with social media, even though I'm 53 and social media is certainly not my strong point. Um, but training has evolved and I, I, need to, I need to make sure I evolve with it. So I'll try it. I'll apply it in my program. If it works, I keep it. If I don't, I get rid of it. But i tell you one thing. Speed, if you look at the way Jesse Owens ran many, many years ago and you look at the same way Usain Bolt runs, there's not that much difference. You know, it, it's incredible how you how people get, um, I'm almost going to say they get baffled by the smoke that's on social media that they try and make something intricate that needs to be just left simple. You know, speed, have a look at the, we're only we're running from one point to another point. How complicated can that be? And all these drills and all this shit that you see on, and they spend, I feel that so many coaches out there spend so much time on drills at a very low percentage. And all they keep doing is just giving me head starts because I'm just going to keep working with drills I already know that are going to get you bang for your buck very quickly so I can make a difference. And you talk about, sorry, and you talk about educated mechanics a lot. Um, Yeah the workshops and the athletes, what, what do you define as educated mechanics? Oh, there's a whole, like if you, if you break down the stride, the stride pattern into micro movements, I break down every movement of the stride and have an objective and a goal for each move, each of those movements. It's like a jigsaw puzzle. So I break down, have all these jigsaw puzzles, make sure that every piece fits perfectly. So when I'm ready to create the masterpiece, everything's already allocated for me. It's in, it, it, if you don't have a trained eye to be able to um, identify that at real time, at real speed, at real time, when I mean real time, means when you're actually out there with the client, not hold on, let me go and have a look at this video and let me get back to you. You lose the flow, you lose the groove. You've got to have that naked, you've got to have that trained eye to be able to coach, to be able to find that. Again, that comes with experience. And you know, so that's one thing that I can say, it's another potentially another reason why so many people come to us all my coaches that's all we do we only look at speed mechanics all day sunrise to sunset seven days a week they're not part-time school teachers or anything any other else it's not their secondary job um god has blessed me with an opportunity to be able to give these guys a full-time opportunity um most of the, most of my coaches that, that do work with me have been ex-athletes of my own so they understand my coaching cues. They understand what I look for. They understand how I design my program. They were part of that program. And then I give them an opportunity to, to earn a career in something that they love doing. Yeah. And you talk about the jigsaw um, puzzle and, and finding those pieces. Do you find that different sports tend to have the same jigsaw puzzles, like, say, league, compared yeah, to, say, I, cricket? I think I, I think I made a post about this quite recently, and it's it, it's ironic. I, I, it, it baffles me when people talk about, oh, footy speed or cricket yes. speed. I actually went looking yeah. for it to find it, but it must have been a story. And yeah, I think it was a story. Yeah. yeah. Probably. You know, it's like, hold on, let's find it. We've got a knob on us and say, hold on, right now <laughs> I'm a football player, so I switch it on now at football speed. On oh, tomorrow I'm a cricketer. So we all accelerate and we all run the same way. You know, I don't, I don't even understand the terminology. Even the, the highest level coaches, they speak about football speed. What's the definition of football speed? I don't understand that. Are you saying that he's fast for a footballer? Then just say that because that's what it really is. Because there's no difference. We all accelerate, we all fly, and we all decelerate exactly the same way. And this is why it intrigues me. If they employ a wrestling coach to help in their tackle because he specialises in the area of grapple, then why don't they employ somebody who specialises in the, in the value that they do the most? What is the value that every field player does the most? That's run. Whether he runs slow or runs fast, that is the thing they are constantly doing. 
it just doesn't make sense. If that is the thing that you are doing the most, why don't you have an area, a person who specifically or specialises in that area? And you, oh, outside looking in, risk versus reward, don't you think, that they're too scared to expose these Absolutely. guys to those, those speeds in case something goes wrong. But if it doesn't go wrong at training, where does it usually go wrong? Well, sometimes it goes wrong on the course, so at Manly, like Trebojevic, doesn't it? Exactly, there you go. So it doesn't matter. If it's going to go wrong, it's going to go wrong, isn't it's going it? It's going to go wrong, isn't it? Yeah. And then exactly. if you've got a chance of something, if you've, got a, if you've built it right, then the chances of it going wrong are less likely. And it's so important. If, if there was not a right or a wrong way to run, then why the fuck do I have so much smoke? Do you understand what I'm saying? 100%. 100%. But, and, and do you think, like, these guys that you are working with, like you got Matty Moyle in there at the moment, obviously yeah. you've never worked with um, Tommy Turbo, have you? Uh, I've called him out many times. Yeah. And, and it's you, interesting. And look, you, I, I, you can help them? Yeah, I do. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of pieces of the jigsaw puzzle when we're talking that's beyond my control. Uh, when it comes to Tommy Turbo, for example, you know he's got other people that are influenced in his training regime. But um, I was just speaking about it, and I think I'm going to be mentioned in the media this week. For me, it just doesn't. I, I, he has he's been born with a skill set, right? He's got he's a great footballer. That's his skill. That's his God given gift. What, Everybody, everybody that knows anything about football and his situation in particular knows he has a hamstring or ha- has, hamstrings, has hamstring issues. I don't understand if it was me why he's not going to lose any skill set. Why wouldn't he spend the whole preseason and the whole off-season just working on his mechanics, his speed, rejoin the team two weeks prior to our first game? He's not going to lose his skill set. All this other stuff that they keep building around, nothing can replicate him to have to get the tolerance for high speed unless he's exposed to high speed. Unfortunately, now I feel he's in a position where he's chronic, whether I don't know how much. I mean, I may get given an opportunity now because I, I'm, you know, I'm going to state, so, well, you've tried everything else. Why don't you just give me a chance? But there's been so much trauma to both to those hamstrings now, I'm not too sure if they're scarred for life or not. I'm not too sure. When there's been an when there's been constant trauma, it's very difficult to get those. But I feel him in particular. I called him out three or four years ago. I feel he's an overstrider. Correct. And I yep. think that he's. I, I think he's absolutely susceptible to hamstring issues every time. And I, I, I just feel that why why don't you try? And get some educated mechanics into the to you. Listen, so even so, Moylan, you brought up Moylan, right? Yep. So Moylan ha- it hasn't been all smooth sailing. It can't be. It can't possibly be. You know, we've had some hiccups along the way. But let's look on the flip side. He spent so much time this year worrying just about his running mechanics because this was one thing that kept him off the field. He has finally got through a whole preseason. So he's had the most volume he's ever had and he's hit the highest speeds he's ever had. And that's there's, and the only thing that's changed from this season to every other season that if we've re-changed the software. And, but it's the law of specificity, isn't it, Rog, that you want to get faster, well, then what should you do? Or if you Absolutely. want to educate your mechanics, what, what, what should you do? Yeah, you need to be with a person who'll be able to show you how to do that. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's, a, there's a right way and a wrong way of doing it. If it was just easy, Geordie, as sprinting was just to run, just sprint from point A to point B, then the whole freaking world would be fast. There's got to be more to it than that. I agree with you. One thing I've noticed, I mentioned a couple of times actually with people I've spoken to lately is that um, – I think S&C, it's starting to turn to a bit more of like we call a blended model that coaches are finally starting to realise, definitely like S&C coaches are finally starting to realise the importance of being able to actually A, teach mechanics, B, implement yeah. them, and then C, place them in throughout a, a off-season or a pre-season, whatever it may be. Have you seen any of that sort of model? Well, you see, um, Jordy, 
one thing that's great about my success is that I, I do suffer with mental health. So um, I try and eliminate myself from that exposure because there's so much politics when it comes to team environments, um, especially myself, because I, 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 I get so much media, et cetera, et cetera. I feel people feel that either intimidated by myself or that I want their job or I want to change things. Um, so the answer, do I see it? No, because I control my own destiny. I, I, I only see my own program. I see everything that I do. Uh, I only hear about what the others do, but I, I, I disregard what's getting done there. They come to me uh, and that's why I have set up myself this way so I don't have to be influenced by coaches or high performance managers. I can do what I want, when I want, how I want to do it. Yeah. And I think that that's one thing that I can do quite well is that all my clientele has been for such a long time footballers or field-playing athletes. Um, unfortunately, aligning yourself with track athletes, you know, you're not going to be able to live a lifestyle. You'll be eating at the Salvation Army. They've got no money, unfortunately. There's no money in track and field. So me being exposed to that culture for so long, I understand their program. So they're never going to change their program and you've got to be able to know their program and how to complement that program because their program is very loaded and it has a lot of skill sets in there that has to be addressed too. So um, you've got to try and find that balance. And I'll be honest with you, it's getting harder and harder to manage because of the simple fact that the high performance managers or the physios these days, um, I think that they get a lot of heat put on them if the athlete doesn't perform properly and their get-out clause is, well, I haven't been able to control their program the whole time we go. They go and see Roger or they go and see Jerry or X, Y and Z. So I can, I can only see within a matter of even five or six years that their off-season is going to be completely controlled. I'll be, I'll be very surprised if they'll be able to even seek external training. That's interesting because... I'll, I'll go the opposite way. I'll play devil's advocate on you on this one, only because I want to listen to the, the discussion to come off the back of it. You, you went over to the States, and we'll, we'll touch on that in a minute, um, sure. like a while back. But I think we're five years behind America in a lot of the things we, we do. Yeah. And you see, like, in the off-season, oh, again, they've got controlled off-seasons and things like that. But you see a lot of those guys seeking out their own coaches, whether it be for, you know, shooting... I, 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 what they do have advantageous to us is that their off-season is a lot longer than ours. Mm. So um, it's almost encouraged that they keep in some sort of shape because when they come back in, they go through a testing and the testing criteria, I'm sorry, the testing penalty in the US is a lot more severe than it is here because they've got 100 Jared Haynes sitting on the sideline over there. So if you present poorly after you've had all that time off, then you've got to fight your, your fight your way back to get your position. Even if you were the starting quarterback, they don't give a fuck. Mm. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Absolutely. Here, we only get six to eight weeks after representative honours or representative duties. You know, they might go on Australian tour, et cetera, et cetera. So they have, I think there's a mandatory policy that they must have at least six weeks. Some even, depending on how long they've been at the team for, is eight weeks. Um, so... Sometimes rest is really encouraged, especially if they've been bashed up and, hmm. and hammered. Um, so it's, it's I'm, I may, I've obviously cut you off a little bit prematurely, but that's one of the, one of the aspects why um, America have a little bit more flexibility of being able to seek their own trainerships as opposed to here. But you can continue on. Yeah. I just think that the way that it's going is that players are now starting to have a little bit more of a voice and they can understand that sometimes what's happening at the club may not be the best thing for them because it is a team program. So they yeah. go, okay, well, who can I get that will help me as an individual athlete get better? Yeah. Um, and it's scratch your head stuff because, you know, um, they'll go for an end of season review and then and one, of the, one, one of the things that's constantly brought up in their face is, oh, you know, we're, just, we're not really happy with your line speed or your, your you know, so, and then it's like, so what the fuck do I do about it? Mm. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to help me? And this is where um, this is where it gets let down. The other thing that I you know I don't really want to say this on on your podcast, but I'm happy to do, I suppose. Um, is that I've just got to make sure I don't get myself in trouble here. Thank you, Tom. Um, 
I'm going to say this properly. If they think the players still don't come and see me, they're dreaming. Yeah. I don't need the hype, you see. So that's one thing great as well, that they can come and see me and they know that I don't have to put it on my social media because I'm really, that's, that's another blessing as well. Yeah. Uh, and you've installed so that confidence in them, obviously, throughout the years. You know, you don't, yeah. you don't need the immediate attention. You're, you're fine without that. So, so I can do things discreet. I mean, I get a lot of, I get, I, get, I, get, I get the best of both worlds. So if it needs to be that X comes to see me or Y comes to see me and he says, mate, I, I'm not allowed to be here, well, I got you. Yeah. yeah. It's an interesting concept. I think it'll be really interesting, like you said, will it go that way or will it go the other way or will it stay the same? And I, um, I am interested to see where it will go. You know why it's getting harder and harder, Jordy? Because of social media. Because in the off-season, these guys can see everything that you're freaking doing. Yeah. And they're like, what the fuck are you doing? And they can go to their coach and say, oh, Johnny, you know, did you know that whoever was training with Peter, look what they were doing. Bear crawls on the sand. That's why he's got a lower back. Don't blame me. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, 100%. I understand from everybody's perspective. If I was the physio or if I was the high-performance person and my job could be potentially influenced by you, then I would restrict your access to you because I don't want you to be able to control my outcome. Absolutely. I totally get it. I totally get it. He's got to feed his family. This is his job. His job is to keep the players on the field. He and if they can't be on the field, I would be the only person that I want to be responsible for that action, not somebody else. Absolutely. And you, you mentioned the media before. How, how do you think that's helped build your brand, I suppose, over the years? Because you do get a lot of media attention, I suppose. Some people look at that as, you know, before we sort of mentioned egotistical maybe or, you know. So, so who do you think is in a person who's helped me build my brand? Is that what you're asking me? Or even how the media has helped build your brand. Yeah, well, of course they have. I mean, they have significantly. But again, you've got to have something worth worthy to write about. Absolutely. So, you know, the media will only help you if it's, if it's, if it's newsworthy. So I've still got to create the news. So don't, don't be thinking like, you know, don't forget, people, I'm 53. I didn't come here overnight. You, all you guys that you're out there, they're going to listen to this. I fucking gave sessions away for free for years. I had to go and earn my clout. I didn't. I don't have the luxury of you guys, what you guys have now that you can jump on the internet and look at YouTube and look at drills and be able to have access to a podcast like this and get in and, and get information. I had to travel, pay my own ticket, travel overseas many times a year just to listen to people talk. I was it wasn't even my job, just so because it was my passion. Then I'd go and learn a tool and then I'd go down in the freezing cold at night in the middle of winter to any club, to any team and knock on their door and just say, give me an opportunity to do a speed session for you for free. What about all those times? What, what, you, does people forget about all that? Yeah, that, that's where I was my, actually hoping you are going to take that. That's exactly where I wanted you to take that. You know, my coaches are spoiled because I've done the groundwork for them. They don't know, how, they don't know what it's like to go and grind and find business and lose clients and get rejected and have to work out in the cold and they start away start start right away earning big money from the from the get go people are out there you know yourself working their ass off on science degrees and uni degrees and trying to get sports education and will never get exposed to the athletes that my my coaches get exposed to never in their life they'll you know I, I, I comment I don't like to throw it in their face but I've built that for them they're just going to walk in start one of my coaches has got a year experience and she's working with a NRL club. What's that? Yeah. And, and it's important what you mentioned too. It's experience and it's, it's the hard work. You see a lot of the people like you mentioned, sports science and whatnot come out of uni and they expect that they're going to get athletes off the bat. And it's, it's, it's if, like you said before, if it was that easy, everyone would have Jared Haynes and Sonny Bills and, and Dave Warners Everywhere. in their back pockets, wouldn't they? Yeah. Yeah, it so, doesn't just work. That's only the very small portion, you know. And you know, if you if there was one tip that I wanted to give you, you've got to learn how to coach. That's the most important thing. 
you know, getting knowledge, everybody can get that. Delivering it and delivering it in a way that you can get performance out of your athlete, that's, that's what it's all about. Yeah, and you mentioned before you went over to the States a fair bit um, while you were still working another job. So that was in corporate, correct? Yeah, it was, it was corporate sales, yeah. Yeah, and then you went over well, to... Was... Sorry, you go. Yeah, go ahead. I, I was always... So getting, being in corporate sales set me up for getting no's. So, I, you know, in sales, if you can't handle a no, then you, that's not your job. Um, so I was I, I was not scared to approach people that people would be terrified to approach. Um, my first he, point of call was San Diego Chargers. I, I drove that drive crazy there. What did you do? An opportunity. I just turned up. So training camp every year for seven years, I turned up. And how many times did he let you in? Did it take the seventh year? Yeah, the seventh year. Yeah. And then from there, I got, I, got a, I got a little bit of a reputation and then I got a little bit of smoke and then I built a bonfire. Ended up getting a job at Dallas Cowboys, getting paid. Yeah, and what was your role with the, the team over in Dallas? I just worked in with the rookies. I yeah. was never about to be... I was only there for training camp six to eight weeks. So, um, just working with the rookies in their speed. Yeah. And what was the biggest lessons yeah, you take away from... Taking away from uh, over know, there? This is what's great about their sport or bad, whatever you want to call it. You know, for there's a lot of extract athletes that play running positions in the NFL. You know, um, it's not, not very similar to here. It's easy to dangle a carrot in front of those guys. You know, you want to go and run for a gold medal, or you want to play for 170 million dollars a year. What do you want to do? The choice is quite easy. Um, so the difference is obviously. That, you can work with specification there, you know, because every time they get a chance to reset, the whole game stops. So you can, it's all uh, premeditated what you're going to do as opposed to in our game, you know, it's reactive, it's in response to a stimulus. Um, so the, the, and, and our athlete is very general in, in when I say general, it has a very big, a bigger bag of skill set. They've got to kick, tackle, pass, where they're running players, they just run and catch the ball. So you can really work on specification, breaking down small movements. The smallest of movement in the NFL would, wouldn't even get an attention to the detail that the NRL have. But in, again, it's a, you know, a lot bigger um, budget. In the NFL, the coaches have a coach for every position we're starting to see a little bit, as you said, you know, we're probably are about five years or six years behind. I can't see the gap closing or has closed, but we are starting to get you start seeing now in the NRL, you see coaches have a defence coach, an offence coach, and then they have a main coach. Um, whether they even break it down even further, you start seeing uh, Andrew Johns is going in as a halves coach. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I'd love to see it. the game's getting so much faster. It's, I think it's just a matter of time until they actually have, you know, specific back coaches and, and people that are looking at not only absolute speed but repeat speed or speed endurance and specialised speed, you know, running slow. I think it's just about gone in that game. Yeah, well, all games now. Especially with the new rule changes as well. And yeah. I suppose, just I think, yeah, and that's why it is so important and speed's going to be one of those metrics that it's just going to get faster and faster. And Because it's entertaining. You exactly. Know, people, yeah. people want to see game uh, points scored. It's just in every game, and you just have a look at you look at the body composition of every sport of the athlete and how much it's changed. Now you've got seven, seven foot or seven, seven and a half foot centers in the NBA that are that are quick as lightning. They've got so much mobility. And you got to go and see uh, Westbrook train, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. So. That was going to be my biggest one. It's like fuck COVID. I was, I was like, I had it all signed, sealed. I was, I was in a confidentiality agreement. I wasn't allowed to sign nothing. But I was going to be. He was going to be coming out. He was going to, and I was going to do some work with him. It would, be, it would have been like fuck. It's the biggest athlete that Australia's seen for years. With Westbrook, yeah. So I went to a place called P Three. It was in Santa Barbara. Yeah, um, Marcus. Marcus. Um, what's his is it, I can't remember, but Marcus, is, I, can't, I can't. Anyway, so yeah. you're on the right track. Yeah. Um, I was gonna, I was gonna actually get a collab with him, and um, 
uh, again, I think I was talking a whole lot of shit at that start. There I was, I was like, not talking a lot of shit, but my infrastructure was not supporting my mouth. You know, yep. my mouth was talking. Yep. If I, I, I should have gone to see him right now, where I have now actually got um, my 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 skill sets and my strategies and my business structure in place now. Then I was just talking ridiculous, just trying to big note myself, to be honest. And you know, I, I probably look foolish to him. But I had did have a reputation, a relationship. We were having, and while I was there, yeah, he was he was there with Kyle Corbett was there, and I got a got a chance to do a little bit of work there. Uh, that was just the minimum exposure. He just liked what I was doing, and I thought, well, then this opportunity came again. It was organised by Nike. Um, he was going to come out here and, because it was supposed to be an Olympic year, and um, but COVID completely destroyed that. But I did do a hell of a lot of research, and at least I, I'm, I'm now working with um, Shyla Hill, who's, yep. who's Shane Hill's daughter. Um, and she looks like going to be one of the top four or five uh, draft picks. So all these all these um, skill patterns that I was going to be working with Russell with, I've started to at least uh, uh, hasn't been a, a complete waste of time. I've been using them with her. And um, it's been exciting. I've been enjoying the journey and I can't wait to see what, where, where that leads to. Two things off the back of that. Number one, I was actually going to go over to P3 the week of COVID. Okay. So I was going to spend a couple of days there, so I was filthy that that didn't happen as well. Two. Yeah, so did you? Yeah, sorry. Were you going to, did, you, did you have actually something organised or are you just going to knock on the door? No, no, I had something organised with Marcus. Oh, yeah, great. Yeah. So I was devastated, absolutely devastated. Um, and then yeah. two, what what are some of the things that you've, that I suppose that you did in the research in preparation for Russell coming, but obviously you didn't, but you've implemented with? Um, Look, you know, again, this is one thing that I, that that I I I've just said to you before. Before, yeah. It's I was just saying to you before. It's not. I know people complicate things. So the skill set was just analysing the game. And watching the movements, that's that's what I was preparing myself for. All these other complicated acrobatic movements that they're never going to perform in the game, I would never coach. It makes no sense. All those footwork drills, remember when all those footwork drills were out years or a year and a half ago, people used to go through ladders like an acrobat, do all these foot, fancy footwork. Even I brought one out here who's still a very dear, close friend of mine, Tevin, the golfing, right? All that stuff was was circus. It was entertainment. So, and you still see a lot of people getting complicated in those in those movements. They are certainly, they're not, you need to be coordinated to perform them, so you're going to always going to um, enhance your coordination component. But really, you know, when you say to me, what do I do to prepare for people? It's like, well, I'm there to produce speed, and as I said to you before, the rules of acceleration doesn't matter what the athlete is, it's the same. All I was... Yeah, so, so before we got cut off there with the internet, you're talking about basketball speed and what you're working on. Um, yeah. Yeah. And again, as I said, I don't know, I'll keep re-saying that, is it just that the rules simply don't change? You know, whether it doesn't matter what they did... And, and I think people get too overawed by that um, title that they come along with because they're there to get faster. And forget about all and, and another thing that constantly gets thrown up to me is like, well, what happens when I've got a ball in my hand? Or, you know, that's irrespective. You know, mechanics, you're, you're saying then, is your skill acquisition going to change? No, you've been born with that skill set, but you've been, I've represented you back to your team a faster athlete. So nothing nothing has changed as far as your skill set is concerned. The way you're going to hold your hand, uh, hold the ball, is not going to change. Um, in actual fact, that, that, that's a little bit misleading. Some of my athletes have, uh, Hayne in particular, um, uh, Sonny, I have to be honest, even the Fox does it now. They understand the importance of how well my me- how we how we coach my mechanics, and you'll see them often swap the ball to hold in one hand and be able to run with that one hand with the ball in it. They do it a lot because they understand how crucial it is. Yeah, I remember it was funny. I was listening to a coach talk one day about um, increasing speed with players 
and that he was saying that um, now the players were either offside or uh, in front of kicks and things like that because they possessed too much speed. Oh, my God. Wow. That's so crazy. You, so you can see how these things sort of get misconstrued around and then all of yeah, a sudden absolutely. the players go, well, is it worth getting faster if I'm going to give away a penalty? Yeah. Uh, look, I think that's, 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 that's crazy. That the, the, the biggest monetary value for many athletes and then you'll see it in the in the combine. It's influenced by how fast you are. The faster you are, the more money you make. Why do you think the NRL? Because they haven't got time to coach it. They don't know how to coach it, or as you said, it comes with a high risk factor. So they just go and pay top dollar for it. It's the most sought after commodity in the game. Speed. One hundred percent. And um, back to what we were sort of discussing before. Um, Sort of what put you on the scene, and correct me if I'm wrong, was Minicello coming in and seeking some advice from you. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, that's sort of yeah, yeah, it did. He uh, he was my first project as a professional football. Obviously, I've been working with Weekend Warriors for years and years. As I said, you know how many sessions I gave for free, and I got an opportunity to. to um, he was having huge back issues, huge, and the guy that was working at the Roosters there was thinking a little bit outside the square and it was a friend of mine said you know you've tried everything why don't you try this guy you know see if he fixes your gait if it relieves the pressure on your back and again that year he ended up getting the golden boot um whether it was a coincidence or whether it actually did work you know him and I ended up having a very successful relationship and uh that was my first claim to fame and then this is when, and this is where the skill set comes back. You know, I said to you, learn how to coach or learn how to grind. Yeah. So then from then, I just grinded from that. You know, why would I let something that a little, if somebody's going to give me a little bit of fire, then I'm going to make it crazy. You know, if I can, if I can make it crazy, then that's, I'm going to, that's where I, I talk. That's you, you, all the rest of you, you want to stay quiet? That's fine. Stay quiet. No one gives a fuck about you. I'll blow it up. But the big thing about that too is you had the years of experience prior to getting your hands and being able to I, I work did. with him. Hey, I did, I did, but only on a on a weekend warrior level. It's a big difference in responsibility. You know, you're working then with somebody who actually is playing sport for a living. This is how they make money. You hurt them. The consequences are a lot more than if you hurt Joe from next door. He has four weeks off and just goes back to playing Oztag. Who cares? Yeah. So it, it, I had the experience, but I have never used that experience where the outcomes potentially could be so severe if I got them wrong. And how do you handle that responsibility dealing with these guys now that you've done it, you know, multiple times? And I've, and I've, and I've failed and passed. You just, you, you, you have to learn, you have to make mistakes. If you don't make mistakes, you'll never learn. It's how you react from the mistake what's important. If you say, make the same mistake twice, then you're a fool. Exactly. You understand what I'm saying? So ha- hamstrings, for example, hamstrings, in, in, I'm in the sport where hamstring is the most dominated injury of all. You know, how many times a week would a footballer get exposed to high speed potentially once? My, my athletes, every single time we get on the track, every single time we're on the track, I'm dealing at the highest level. So if I get a couple here and there, if you work it out, on numbers and you work out on a ratio, it's quite low because the risk factor is extremely high. They only expose themselves to a risk factor minimally. But in saying that, if they only expose themselves to it minimally, the risk factor when they do it is actually maximally. Does that make sense? 100%. Because they haven't got got tolerance to it. So you can't have your cake and eat it too. You know, if you want to play if you, want him, if you want him to play on the football field fast and hope he doesn't get injured, if we go back to a Trevojevic situation, then give him the tools and the artillery before he goes out there. He's not going to go through a whole half pace. But if you only ever train him at half pace because you're scared you're going to break him down, then you, who's the fool? Okay, we get to keep him on the field. But it's just nat- it's, it's, it's natural instinct that when you're playing in a game, you're not you're not... If an opportunity comes, you're going for it. And if you're not conditioned to it, 
then you're putting yourself in a high risk place. Yeah, and have you? You don't have to share this if if it's not uh, appropriate. But has Matty Moylan spoken to you about some of those things that? I suppose because a lot of that stuff with hamstring strains in particular is they do it once, they do it again, they do it again. Has he spoken to me? That was one of our biggest battles and I think that's one of the things that I try, really tried to work hard it's to, with Matty is to install the confidence because you get a lot of mental scar tissue. Yeah. He's like, fuck, I'm scared. How can he be scared? What are you going to play? You can't play a game scared. It makes no sense. But when you, you are... Again, and this is another thing that potentially me having um, mental health issues and always dealing with a therapist, you know, I've learned coping mechanisms and, and some of them that I try and use on myself, I try and coach to somebody else, you know. Um, I think I heard quite recently that somebody was telling me about um, talking about success in a, in a team, and I can't remember who the coach they were referring to, but... Actually, I do remember now. We were talking about an Australian team, a union team, and the doctor there uh, is my doctor, and he was talking to me about how inspirational, or the 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 actual coach for the it was a rugby union team, how inspirational his his pre-game talk it was either a pre-game or a post-game. It might have even been a half halftime about strategies and etc. etc. Et and he's and he and it, he brought out a. Uh, he heard one of them. One of them stories was so unique that this, this, you know, he'd been a, the doctor that I had the relationship with has been a doctor for many NRL teams, but has probably heard so many similar types of stories. But he said he heard this one that was so impacting. It was so unique, and he said, "I, said, I he said, I just had to stop the coach at the end of the game and ask him, where did he, where did he get this idea from? Right? You know, where did, he said, you know what I do? He said I book myself in with a psych, psychiatrist, and." I don't have anything wrong with me, but I just put forward ideas to them or situations and ask them how would they deal with it. And I've actually learned a lot from my own therapist as well, how to install a bit of confidence or how to install and how to attack things from a different mindset. And I'm telling you, I really related to that scenario a lot and I think that was quite unique what that coach had, had, had been doing. You know, he's like... You know, I just thought, well, these guys, that's what they do. They deal with problems and have issues and have scenarios and good at problem solving, you know, and trying to build confidence is one of the things that mental health people really do lack. You know, it's, you probably think to myself, how can you lack confidence? You talk so much trash, you talk shit, you're so up yourself. But I do, I lack confidence in areas that I'm not great at and I'm very confident when it comes to coaching. That's, you know, I, I hold that realm. Um, and I refuse to be beaten in that area. And so it's a relatability thing to the players that, you know, we all go through things at certain times, but you can at least, I suppose, not necessarily put yourself in their position because no one can ever put yourself in someone else's shoes, but you can at least relate on some level. You know? Oh, very much so. Very much so. And and the other thing, the thing that also helps them, and again, um, and kudos to all the people that have got an education I don't have an education. My education is experience. And I educated myself through going to listen to other people talk. I've done no sports science or et cetera. cetera. So when I speak to them, they can relate to my language because it's Mm. not sophisticated. It's not complicated. No disrespect to the footballers, but if they weren't playing football, they'd be probably stacking shelves at Bullers. And if you overcomplicate their stories, or they won't know what the hell you're talking about. And if they start feeling that they're intimidated by you, then they're going to be off you. So it's a very, and that's what I was trying to tell you. I think that's one other thing that I have very uniquely is that they know that they can come there and I relate to them. Mm. You know, they're dealing with a guy that's right next door that can, that's, and I can get the best out of them. So they're not going to be, they're not, they're not intimidated by, they're not overwhelmed with info. They don't give a fuck about dorsiflexion or all these types of, they don't care about all these sophisticated they just want to know how to run fast and how do I do it? And it needs to be kept as simple as possible. Yeah, because a lot of, I suppose, a lot of the coaches you see in teams and the, the, the sports side of stuff that come out of uni, they're all almost carbon copy robots of each other, aren't they? Yeah, and, and, and I understand that because, look, they go back, they, they go into a platform um, where people are very opinionated of them and the only way they can sort of show that they are 
um, better or, or at least as informed as the other person is to come out with all this, with, with, with the jargon that the coaches want to hear. Mm. But it's the coaches that want to hear that, not the players. They don't, they don't want to hear it. So if, the, if you can't get the coach, the players to perform, then you're useless. So while you are, and I know one in particular, I know a very, very, very well credentialed coach, I'll never name, um, who had a job with an NRL team and, and is very, very highly sought in the industry, it was. Um, but at the end of the day, the high-performance manager had to get rid of him and said, you know what, um, I can't keep you. You're, you're, you've got so much knowledge, but the players just can't relate to you. Mm. And, you know, you haven't got the skill set to be able to be a chameleon and speak their language when needed and our language when we need you. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, you, you nailed it. And it, it goes but to everyone, whether you're a, a speed coach or a strength conditioning coach or, or whatever, you've got to talk to the people that's in front of you. Yes, it, 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 you do. And, and, and again, it's, and I, feel, I feel very um, frustrated for the people that are coming out of uni because they're overwhelmed with knowledge and they do want to be able to share that knowledge and they do want to get an opportunity to be able to share that knowledge. But then <laughs> how do you get that opportunity? You know, it's, 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 a, it's very, very difficult because you walk in with a hell of a lot of knowledge or whatever it may be, then people, as I said to you, that politics that is associated with a team environment, it's not good for my mental health. I can't, I can't deal with it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I, I did listen to the Body Science um, podcast in prep for this one. And, okay. and just on the topic of what you're speaking about, you had that checklist and I thought I wrote that down as I thought that's a quite interesting concept. Yeah. Um, do you want to sort of just touch on what that was? So, so I need to, Jordy, um, I and I was speaking briefly before we came on air, I'm 53, so I can't stay out on the field as long as you guys can, right? I get, you know, in the elements all day, the sun beaming down on you and the way I deliver, it exhausts me. And then I have, as I said, I have mental health issues and if I'm physically exhausted, then I get mentally uh, lagged as well. So... Um, I need to make sure that every session I deliver is of, of a huge, a high standard. So if I feel myself slip, I go back to my car and read my checklist and make sure that I go, I, you know, crossing, I go just dealing with the smoke. You know, I just make sure that I, I, I bring it. I go back into my, my zone and then when I'm, when I'm there, I can deliver. But you need to be able to bring that because... That's what they're. That's what they come there for, you know. If you can't get them to fire, then fuck. What are they got to get you to fire? That's not how it works, you know. So, um, a lot of people come at that period of time and they don't want. They want to escape their, themselves, so they don't want to be overwhelmed with my issues. I've got to just, and I've got to give them the tools to be able to give them there. So, if you bring fire, um, I I often say this to my coaches at the expense of a session you should always cancel that session if you can't deliver quality because you're only as good as your last session. And if the client walks out of there and thinking, what was all that about? Mm. You know, what's all the fuss about? Then, you know, the likelihood of them having, when you've only got them for a short time, short period of time, you have to be able to make sure that it's impacting because they're going to go away and they've got a hundred coaches throwing themselves in front of them, saying, "Oh, come and train with me! Come and train with me! Come and train with me!" Um, they've got to make sure that you separate yourself from all those other coaches, it's so they know when they when yeah, they come back to me. Go ahead, sorry. So I think it's a pretty good mantra to to live by, regardless of whatever it is. You're only as good as the yeah. last whatever you've done. It was true, unfortunately. Yeah, you see, it's you're only as good as your last game. You're only as good as your last effort. Um, and and has that flip side as well. You know, you are only as good as your last effort, but you know you get seven days to fix it if it was fucked. Yeah, if you're a footballer. Yeah, I mean, I always just try to think that even with me, the sessions, it's the, you try to be the highlight of someone's day. Yeah. So yeah, there's hard to do. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if you're loaded all the time, you know, if you get to a point where, and I understand, you know, this is, you know, it's a. People only look at us and think, oh, how, how easy is our job? It's not easy at all. It's quite draining. You're taking on people's problems. Um, you know, you've got to bring the hype and you're constantly hammered by it all day. You know, you're doing eight or seven sessions a day. That's, that's, 
a lot of times to bring energy. Most people are doing what we're doing right now, like just working behind the computer. How much energy does that have to bring? Mm. That's not exhausting. You might do eight hours, but if I'm just doing eight hours of data, I don't have to. I don't have to bring my personality, especially if you're feeling low. You know that that's an effort. You know, if, if I'm having a, not, I have some pretty tough days, and I've still got to find it. That's fucking hard to do. You've got to paint the face and put the makeup on and pretend you're a clown, but inside you're crying. That's 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 pretty hard. That's that's exhausting. It's very important. Yeah, it, it is very important. It is uh, to me. It is to me. It is, and I, I really do have a go at my coaches as well. You know, if I see them um, in between reps, looking at their social media. I'm like, what's what, 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 that's, that's not on. I'm sorry. Unless they're putting data about their client, I'm cool with that. Um, but I just think that's disrespectful. I think that you're there, you get, they're getting paid big money. They haven't got all that much experience that they're holding my name. At the end of the day, um, they've got to bring fire. And I could constantly tell them, look at your load, the load, I'm always going to get your work. Don't worry about that. That's the least of your worries. Don't, put my name down and give a session that's nowhere near as what you can usually deliver. Cancel. Yeah. And how have, that. have you, have you like, obviously you've, you've got a lot of responsibility with all the coaches and, and your own credibility and things like that. Does that wear yeah. you down? And, and, you know, have you ever experienced, you know, burnout as such? Yes. So, so this is what I'm going through right now, Jordy. Um, with the growth stage, you know, I've had a, I've put a business manager on now and she's been like, Probably she survived. I'm surviving specifically only because of her. She's relieving so much workload off me. With my own therapist, yes, that's what I'm working with him because it has a, a negative and a, and a positive effect by having setting such a high expectation all the time um, sets you up for failure. You know, every time you, it's not the other way around. If you set up a low expectation and over deliver, then that's fine. But you know, you. Going through a checklist, it's exhausting. You know, going through, bringing that, like my therapist is like, you, you, why do you have to bring the woo every time? How would people know what's the difference? I know what the difference is. Yeah. And I walk out of there, it's like, fuck, that wasn't the woo. And I'm like, then I beat myself up about it. And then it's so a it's, cycle, it's, isn't it? The cycle and it becomes catastrophic. So that's what I'm working with my therapist on right now. I'm trying to work on you know, managing the expectations of the world. Yeah, and we talked about off camera as well. You said you do want to leave a legacy. I do. Yeah, yeah. I promised my father. I think I, I, I don't want a big note, but I reckon I, I, even if I stop today, I've done it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's no and one I else who's really done it, has they, from the where position? Are where are they? If they are, I don't know where you are. Are you hiding? What, so what, what does your, your day-to-day job look like now in the role that you're in? Are you doing any consulting for other coaches as well, um, teams or anything like that, or purely just coaching one-on-one athletes or group sessions? No, no, I don't do any one-on-ones, Jordy. Yep. No, I don't do any one-on-ones anymore. Um, I only do groups. I'm fortunate enough to, so to make my time that I'm out there is quite productive financially and, and physically. Um, so I don't, I'm trying to eliminate my time out there. But, again, it's just been the added responsibility of the growth. You know, we've opened up in um, states. We're in, going to be in New, we're in New Zealand. We're going to be looking at teaming up with you guys and teaming up with um, Sunshine Coast, maybe potentially Brisbane. And there's a guy in Melbourne we've just started. We've got Canberra. It's, it's you know, I, and I don't know what goes on over there. It's, it's quite hard to, you know, and then you have, you have, and I'm sure that this may even have happened to you, then you've got your intellectual property that potentially, you know, if you move a coach on, so does your intellectual property goes with it. And, you know, so it's already happened to me that they've tried to open up a side hustle through my name, you know, using my clients, and that, that fucking hurts you. Mm. That's a head fuck like you wouldn't believe. You know, suddenly somebody else like, I'm, not, I'm leaving you now, but I'm taking the business with, them, with me. What can you do about it? It's shit and it's not good for my mental health. It really rocks me, especially when you go out of your way to try and do everything you possibly can to set them up and, you know, give them opportunities that they would never have got before without you. But that's life. you just got to deal with it. And this is what happens in growth. And as I said, sometimes it, 
for me, I close my eyes and think to myself, you know, it was just nice when I was by myself. You know, it wasn't as much money, but it wasn't as many problems. I could control all the scenarios. Do you ever regret calling it the Roger Fabry Speed Academy and not something totally different? No, because it was it was called the Speed Agility Academy and it never caught anywhere near as much as fire as it now is catching. It's crazy now. I think that that was... So my previous business manager, he implemented that. Cameron, you met Cameron. Cameron and I are still very, very close. Um, and Cameron does really well in what he does. I think that if you ask me what was his best master stroke, that was probably that, that having that presence now. You know, people, people stop, people in the street that are wearing my shirt, it's like, oh, are you that Roger Fabry bloke? And I know I'm just wearing his shirt. It's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's quite good. It's, you know, it's really got people, uh, they, they see the logo. Um, for a business model, it, it, had, it should have been done at the start. Yeah, interesting, because I know a lot of people actually regret having their name in regards to they can't control everything. As in, but, but when I say can't control everything, why would the name change that? Ah, oh, sorry, I should have word that better. In regards to that, um, like, say, Johnny comes to see Roger Fabry Speed Academy and he may get Jack, yeah, then, he wants to expect you. to see you. But that's always going to be, that's going to happen no matter what it was called, and that is a big, that is a problem. But what can you do? Um I, one thing that's good about our outdoor training is that I do only run groups and I give everybody the initiative to try and that's, that's one of my selling lines is try and work with me, work with my coaches and be good enough and great enough that they come to tell me about you and then you come and join in one of my squads, but I'm not going to just put you in there. You've got to, you don't even know what you're doing. So I don't want to work. I don't want to, I'm again, I hope this doesn't sound big headed, but I don't want to work with athletes where I've got to bring them from the top, uh, from the bottom up. I like my coaches to take them at least to a point and then I can take over from there. Fuck, I don't want to be going through all that shit all over again. The basics. Most people should be able to get somebody that's basic to being regular. And then I'll take somebody from regular to fire and then from fire to smoke. And that's having good systems um, built up with your coaches, isn't it? And, and, that's, and that's hiring. Yeah, hiring them from previous um, athletes and things like that, people that experience your coaching to then. Absolutely. And then it gives the opportunity for everybody to be able to come and join join the academy. You know, the likelihood of me working with a seven-year-old is not really going to happen. Does that, does that exclude that the seven-year-old shouldn't get my type of training? I've got coaches that facilitate that now. And I've got all levels, so I can cater for everybody. And, it, and, and I'm not that big-headed that that means that you never get to see me. We all, all my coaches coach in the same area, so I can just flop around and give a little bit. So they do, I, 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 they do get some interaction with me. Mm. Really, I, I think sometimes my, I, I overrate myself as well. There's not that much of a difference between myself and my coaches anyway. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's, as I said to you from the start, it's not we're trying to complicate a movement that is, is simple. It's speed. Have a look at it. It's running from one section to another way. There's a set of rules that, 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 should, that you should have, a skill set that you should have. It's mandatory. But then you getting exposed to the athlete that requires the other 50 tools in your toolbox that you hardly ever use because the athlete that you're exposed to can't even get the basics right then you'll probably never use those 50 tools. Do you know what I'm saying? Because the athlete will either then have to return back to their team or – so it's very it, – it's almost useless having such a huge toolbox when you seem to only use the same tools, 10 tools, but you've got 100 of them and the 90 of them, the athlete never earns the right to use them. And that's where I'm in that luxurious position because most of the athletes that I work with – play sport for a living and I get an opportunity to work with not just 10 tools. I can use maybe if I've got a hundred tools in the toolbox, maybe I can use three quarters of them. So it gives me variation because the skill set becomes is, is higher, is bigger and greater. Yeah. And that's a luxury of working with those sort of players, isn't it? And having the yeah, system yeah, set up that you can actually do that. Yeah. But yeah. again, don't forget I'm 53. Exactly. So it's taken me time to get there. It is a good scenario now, but it's been a, lot, a tough road to get there. I've got that in place now that I can have that luxury. 
And and what's in store now for the rest of this year and then I suppose off season for for field sports is probably the big, busiest time of year for you. Yeah. I was looking to have a breather. Um, I've just had a look at my April and it's like, I, I, I really need a breather, Geordie. Like, like if COVID wasn't there, I'd love to just have a, a week or two off, um, just go away. You know, I, I used to, I used to, I love going to America, but I don't, I don't want to go to a place. The mask actually makes me feel anxious. So I don't like wearing it. So I'm not going to go to a country that it's mandatory or that everybody has to go to. Business-wise, what's in store? Well, I tell you one thing for sure. I certainly am not going to ever go do any more education on my on myself, my on my upskill. I don't want to upskill anymore. I feel um, I just want to be. My ideal world scenario was just keep growing the business as it is, and then hopefully, in six or seven years, I want to just pull back a bit and then keep and just and just let the business roll and just overview it. But I, I'm certainly not going to. I, I'm towards the latter end of it, if I can keep getting it right um, and God keeps blessing me and my dad keeps looking over me, um, then there's no reason why I shouldn't be out of it in seven years. Um, the business is going real good. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing how, um, where you take it over the next couple of years because even since I've known you, the business has grown exponential. So I think that's a credit to yourself and the, the team you've put together um, to, to help do that. So... Thank you very much for, for coming on. It is a real honour. And um, again, I'm really looking forward to seeing where you take it all. Oh, it's been great, Jordy. And, and one thing you know about me, I told you from day one, I'm real loyal. Loyal is the most important thing in, in, in everything, besides everything that we spoke about. So while you've got me, I've always got you and vice versa. So um, you gave me a start when I wanted to go there. So I've got your back. No, I appreciate it, Rog. Really do. You're welcome.